Children, uh, just a wee word to you at this time um, before we move on to the rest of the service. Good to see so many young ones here today and also online if you're watching. It's good to have you here with us as well. Now, I love a flower called sea pinks. I'm sure you've seen sea pinks. They usually grow uh, near the shore and very often in rocky places, high on the cliffs or amongst cracks in the rocks. And they're lovely little pink flowers. Um, and what's amazing about them, and one of the reasons I love them, is that despite them being near the sea and the salty air off the sea and the gales that blow in off the sea, they still continue to flower. They still continue to resist these elements and give us that wonderful pink beauty um, as, they, as they grow and as they flourish throughout the year. And some years ago, I remember trying uh, coming across a clump of them and I thought what I'll do is I'll prepare a place back home in the garden I'll make sure it's a rocky place uh, similar to what they're growing in here and I'll come back and I'll take them up and I did so prepared a place for them came back picked them through and made sure I had all the roots as many as I could get of the roots took them back home and put them in the place that I'd carefully prepared for them and thought, well, that's fine, surely they'll grow. We're not too far off the shore. This is when I was down in Garabost. But sadly, they just didn't grow. And they just became withered. And eventually they just died. It was almost, almost as if they were saying to me, why did you take us from where we were growing? We preferred being where we were to where you put us. And you know, all that reminds me of um, a relationship with Jesus. Because when we come to know Jesus and follow Jesus and trust in Jesus, the Bible tells us it's like being rooted in him. He proves to be the rock into which God places us and from there we grow spiritually and morally. So we find Jesus as a very reliable foundation. And just like the sea pinks, Growing in the rocks down by the seashore, they keep growing despite the wind. And the Bible tells us when we go on trusting in Jesus, all the gales of life, the difficulties of life, the challenges of life, they will be difficult. They will hurt us. We'll find them really challenging. Different ways in which um, the, the trials that come into our way, the things that hurt us in life, but being rooted in Jesus, the Bible assures us we still keep growing spiritually. We don't die because of these things. And in fact, it's really the only place where our life will grow successfully. When you're planted in Jesus and he is your foundation, the Bible tells us that's the only place where you will actually grow in a way that's acceptable, the way your life should be, in other words. And you'll, know, you'll come across some people saying, well, you know, it's really, it's really nowadays surely not right. Surely you want some other kind of life than being obedient to Jesus and believing the things in the Bible and coming to church regularly. Um, why don't you just move somewhere else? Why don't you stop that and try and start somewhere else? Well, if you do that, and I hope you never do that, you'll be like these sea pinks that I took from the shore. You try and put them somewhere else where they're going to grow successfully and it just won't happen. Your life will not grow the way it should be and develop the way it should be unless and except as we are actually placed in Jesus and come to grow 
rooted in him. So if you haven't yet seen any sea pinks, I don't want you to go climbing cliffs or anything like that, nothing dangerous, but you'll find them in places where you can easily see them down by the seashore, especially this time of year. And as you look at these sea pinks, just look at the kind of soil they're growing in. There's hardly any soil at all usually. It's just rocky, hard ground. And yet that's where they grow best. You try and take them away from that. I know you can get varieties now that have been cultivated so that you can actually grow them successfully in your garden. But if you take the wild sea pinks where they grow naturally, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to put them somewhere else and find that they'll grow just the same. That's how it is with human life as well. We need to be rooted in Jesus Christ. So today, have your trust in Jesus. Let your life continue to flourish in him. And don't think that any other kind of life would be better. Because the best thing of all, as Paul said when he was writing to the Philippians, for me to live is Christ. He knew that Jesus was everything that he needed, and that he was in the best place when he was rooted in Jesus himself. And it's Psalm 1 that reminds us of how important it is to walk in a way that's true to God, and one of where it says, blessed is the one who turns away from where the wicked walk. Instead, he finds God's holy law, his joy and great delight. And then it comes to verse 3, he prospers ever like a tree, that's planted by a stream and in due season yields its fruit, its leaves are always green. So now we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A reading of God's word today is from the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs and chapter 3. And then we'll turn after the reading to some words of Proverbs chapter 8. So first of all, Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to begin at verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. 
Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And if we turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 and at verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I'd like us to look at these words for a short time this morning from uh, chapter 8 of Proverbs. I mean, you may be different, but I'm often very rightly accused of not listening properly. Sometimes maybe I'll ask Donna, who's, who's so-and-so's sister again? Or who's so-and-so's brother? Or what relation is so-and-so? And she'll say something like, I told you this the other day. I told you this last week. You weren't listening. And it's true. I was listening, but only with half an ear the other ear. My attention was obviously on some other things. Um, and if you've ever watched uh, that TV show, Judge Judy, um, which uh, is like a courtroom, and people are uh, brought before Judge Judy, um, one uh, lot actually against the other. And very often, Judge Judy, will, you'll hear her saying, you haven't got your listening ears on when she's saying something to whoever it is in front of her and they're trying to talk back and they're obviously not really listening and they're wanting to just make their own case and keep on arguing what they think is best, she'll say, you haven't got your listening ears on. Now, it's a serious issue when we don't listen and things that are important are actually being announced or said to us. Especially if they're, for example, think of the safety announcements that you find uh, if you go on a plane from here to whatever it is on the mainland or on the ferry, there's a safety announcement. And very often, I'm very often guilty myself of just listening with half an ear. And many people will say, well, I've heard this before. It's, it's not new to me. I know exactly what's going to be said. I remember being on the plane once and the cabin crew member that was making the announcement of the safety announcement, standing there, she was standing, uh, looking down the plane and giving out these instructions as to what would happen in an emergency, what you needed to do. And there were uh, two or three folks in a, in a group near the front where she was speaking. They were talking so loudly, she had to stop the announcement and appeal to them, please just listen for a few minutes. It was bad manners on their part, for one thing. It was also very foolish. Because if there was an emergency and they hadn't been listening, there'd be panic on their part. It's important to listen. And you know, listening is one of those things that we have to learn to keep doing and improve as we go through life. I learned very early on in my ministry. Um, David, I'm sure, has learned it already. And he's been, uh, Ferguson is preparing for ministry he's with us for these weeks. One of the things I'm sure he's learned already is that an, one of the most important things to be a minister or an elder is to listen properly. 
Because you come into situations where really pretty much all you're doing is listening, where people have so much to divulge of the pain in their hearts, the one thing that you must never do is not listen or give the impression even that you're not listening. It's so important to listen properly when important things are being said or things that are important to whoever is speaking to us. It's a lifelong learning, listening and learning to listen properly. Well, in Proverbs, we find this frequently as you go through the book of Proverbs, which of course has a lot to do with wisdom. Uh, All the way through the book of Proverbs, wisdom is presented to us but often presented to us as speaking to us the way it is in this chapter here and in the early chapters of Proverbs 2. Wisdom is calling, wisdom is speaking, wisdom is telling us things, wisdom is giving us advice. And the importance of listening to wisdom is really brought before us so often and in these verses we're looking at today. Now, O sons, this is wisdom uh, speaking, listen to me, hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. And as you see through these verses, listening to wisdom is important because for one thing, uh, it leads to us being wise people, wise spiritually, wise morally. So let's look at these verses. First of all, looking at wisdom's call And how that is actually God's call to us. Wisdom's call is God's call. Here's the voice of wisdom. And you'll see from the beginning of the chapter, that's the emphasis that runs through the chapter. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? And all the way through then, you've got uh, an account of what wisdom is actually telling us, what wisdom is saying. But the more you go through the chapter, the more you begin to realize, the more you get... uh, kind of human shape um, as you go through the chapter because from verse 22 for example here's wisdom saying the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work the first acts uh, first of his acts of old ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth when there were no depths I was brought forth before the mountains had been shaped before the hills was I was brought forth before he had made the earth with its fields And then he goes on, uh, it goes on to to, to say, verse 30, I was always beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And that begins to take on the form of a person that's speaking. So wisdom is really personified, if you like, taking on the form of a person. And of course, from that, the more you see the shape of a person as you go through the chapter, the more you, you realize, I need to take this into the New Testament. I need to compare this with what I find in the New Testament about God speaking to me in Christ and through Jesus Christ. And of course, you find that when you go to the likes of 1 Corinthians, for example, where the Apostle Paul was um, dealing with the challenge of the wisdom of the age, if you like, the wisdom of paganism, the wisdom that had come across through centuries and was now being challenged by the wisdom of God in the gospel. And here was, was uh, the Apostle Paul from uh, writing to the Corinthians. You can see there verse 18 of the first chapter, of the first letter, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God. And all the way through the next part of the passage, you'll find uh, Paul dealing with the, the wisdom of God in Christ and how that is actually a challenge to and the, uh, the opposite indeed of the wisdom of the world uh, where he says, um, we preach Christ cru crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Where do you find the wisdom of the book of Proverbs coming really to be shown to the world. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. It's in him and what's revealed in him as he came into this world. He came as the wisdom of God. He came to reveal the wisdom of God in our salvation. And so when you find the book of Proverbs, you're talking about wisdom and wisdom's voice speaking to us. It's actually God that is speaking to us. And it's a reminder to us of what has happened in the history of the world that God spoke and continues to speak to us through Jesus Christ. And of course we have it in this written word of the Bible of the gospel as well. And when you hear God speaking to you, know that that's a voice unlike any other. It's not just that you're reading a book like any other kind of book or listening to a message like any other kind of message when you're listening to the gospel. It's God that's divulging himself through, through that to you. It's God that's speaking to you. Today, um, if I'm being faithful to the word of God in bringing out what I hope is in this passage and I believe is in this passage, then in the high, at the highest level, it is actually God that's speaking to you through that. And it's God that's speaking to me through that. Every time you come to read your Bible, you're reading God's word, you're hearing God's word. That's why we come to pray to God before we come to study the word of God or even read the word of God. Lord, help me to understand it because help me to hear your voice in it. It is your voice. You are speaking to me. Help me to listen to your voice. You remember Jesus in uh, Luke uh, chapter 8 and verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that comes at the end of a parable, one of uh, the best known parables that Jesus spoke, the parable of the sower, it's usually called, could easily be called the parable of the soils. Because as Jesus explained to the disciples, the sower is uh, uh, the, the person who goes out with the seed of God's word, and the seed is the word of God. And you remember, he spoke about four different kinds of soils, which represent four different kinds of listening to the word of God. The hard soil, where the seed didn't find a place to grow. There's the shallow soil, where it grew for a while and then just withered and died because of some difficulties that came in. And then there's the third soil, the soil that has all the thorns in it, and the growth seemed to be very promising at first, and then it got choked by the thorns, which Jesus made to represent the, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. They choke the word. And then the fourth, and it's important, there's only one soil out of the four that brought forth fruit. Remember, he's talking about different kinds of listening, different kinds of reception to the word of God. And you and I have to ask today, which one of these do I belong to? Which one of these soils best represents me? Is it the soil that doesn't receive the seed at all? Is it the one that gives some evidence of growth and then dies away? Is it the one that's really 
taken up so much with the things of this world that yes, I hear the word of God, but then it's very soon overcome by my concerns about other things. Or is it the one that really listens to wisdom's voice, that listens to Jesus, that listens to Christ and wants to really grow in righteousness and in faithfulness to him? And you'll find the same, don't you, in the, uh, the book of Revelation. The first three chapters there are pretty much taken up with, with letters to the different churches. And you remember, uh, uh, it's repeated at the end of each of, of these uh, letters to the churches there. In Revelation 2 and 3, you find these words, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's really essentially what God is saying to us always as you interact with his word, he who has an ear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Friends, today, I, as much as anyone, am here to listen, to listen to God. I have the privilege of preaching God's word. That doesn't mean I can afford not to be a listener. We are here to listen to God. As Cornelius said in, in Acts uh, to Peter, he gathered his whole family together and he said, now we are all here ready to listen to what you have to say, to what the Lord has to say to us. So here is wisdom's voice. Here is God speaking to us and speaking to us in a way that is in fact God himself that's addressing us. Now, the alternative to listening is also set out in the book of Proverbs. I'm just one example of that is in chapter 3, if you turn back quickly to that, uh, chapter 3 and at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil and so on. Now there's nothing directly there about listening, but that's uh, setting out contrast. You notice the contrast there between trusting in God, trusting in the word of God, and leaning on your own understanding. In other words, listening and trusting in God fit together and go together. If we're listening to God, then we're seeking to trust in God more and more. If we're trusting in God, then we want to listen to God. And the opposite is there too in these verses. Not listening to God is equivalent to leaning on your own understanding, as it says. Trust in the Lord, do not lean on your own understanding. If we're leaning on our own understanding, we're not listening properly to what God is saying to us. It's going in one ear and out the other. Because that's really one of the problems for us, isn't it? When we're um, not really properly listening to God. Now in the Old Testament, Hearing was very often equivalent to obeying God. Very often in the Old Testament, when you hear God saying to the people of Israel, for example, hear, O Israel, is really equivalent to obey this, O Israel. The word in Hebrew carries that sense very often of obedience. Let me give you one example there as well, um, where you'll find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to, to 3. This is Israel just on the uh, approach to going into the land of Canaan and Moses is instructing them or God through Moses is instructing them and giving them, if you like, words of wisdom which he does not want them to forget as they go into the land of plenty, the land of promise 
He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. You see, it's matching up hearing and doing, hearing and obedience. That it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There is listening and trusting, listening and obedience, listening and loving the Lord together inseparably in the teaching that God gave to Israel. So whenever they came to listen to the book of Proverbs, they were conscious that God was speaking to them, that the figure of wisdom really is God in the highest sense speaking to them. And so that's what we're at today. Now, O sons, in the highest sense, that's God who's saying, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. So what are the benefits then? Secondly, if that's the voice of wisdom as the voice of God, what are the benefits of listening to God? Well, he calls it here blessedness. Blessed is the one who listens to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. There's listening to God, keeping his ways. Blessed is the one who listens to me. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor of the Lord. What is a blessed life? What does the word blessed actually mean? What does it contain by way of of importance to us? Well, a blessed life, you could say really literally, is a life that's set above the claims of death. You notice in the Bible, so often blessedness is related to having a victorious life a life above the claims of death, so that even if we die as we will in this world, unless Jesus comes back before we die, as Christians, dying physically, separation of our soul from our body, and our body being laid in the dust in this world, nevertheless, we're still above the reach of death in the sense that we die in Christ. We die victorious. We go to be with him. We go to be above where death can claim us. So blessedness really essentially in the spiritual meaning of it is a life that is above the claims of death. A life that's placed over death. That life in Jesus Christ has overcome death. As Jesus himself taught the disciples. So every life that's blessed is also a life that's, if you like, attuned to God's voice. If God has blessed us, in our lives by bringing us to know him, that's a life that wants to listen to him. That's a life that wants to really give attention to what he's saying. That's a life that says, if I'm going to make any progress in my believing life, in my Christian life, I've got to make sure that I'm listening to God, that I begin the day listening to God, that throughout the day I I, I do my best to listen to God, that as I turn to read the Bible, I'm not doing it as a matter of fact, I'm doing it uh, or as a matter just of of, of sheer habit, although it's a good habit, 
Nevertheless, I want to do it, you're saying, in order that I can hear what God is saying to me, that I can listen to God's voice. You know how frustrating it is. At times you, uh, traveling on the road, you come to these black spots where you don't get a radio signal and all of a sudden it gets all crackly. You're traveling up the A9, you're listening to something really interesting or an important bit of news or some piece of music that's being played on the radio that you like and all of a sudden it goes all crackly and it disappears. You spend quite a while then before it comes back, all of a sudden when you're out of that black spot, you know how frustrating that is. Well, the problem there is not with your car radio. Uh, The problem is with the signal. It's not getting the signal because it's a black spot um, for digital signals. But it's never like that with our spiritual black spots. If we're not listening to God, the problem is not with the signal. The problem is not with God speaking. It's not a, a matter of God having ceased to speak to us. It's not that his word's not available to us. The problem is in the receptor. The problem is in our minds. The problem is in our will. Problems in ourselves. The problem is we're not attuned to the voice of God. We're listening to someone else. We're listening to something else. We've got something else taking up our attention instead of listening to God's voice. And you notice what it's saying here in verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Now you've seen yourselves um, queues of people at times whenever there are tickets being made available. I know a lot of that stuff's online nowadays, but you still find tickets being sold where people have to queue up if they really want to get to an important event um, or whatever it is, whether it's gaining entrance to a place where you've got a ticket, um, you need to queue up sometimes. There's so many people trying to get in with their tickets and you need to queue up. There's just such a desire to get into the building to whatever function it is you want to get to and you have a ticket for. That's really an image of what... uh, You have here watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Here is wisdom telling us, here is God telling us, if you're keen to listen to me, then you will daily sit at the gates of my heavenly temple, waiting till I come and speak to you, till I come out with with something to say to you through my word. And isn't it something that puts us to shame, really, when you see the enthusiasm of the world to queue for tickets for something that's really very often pretty futile and of no spiritual value at all. And yet you'll find people queuing up for that because the desire is, I really want to get in there. I've got a ticket. I've paid a lot for this ticket. How sad it is that so few people form a queue outside the doors of heaven, outside where God's word is spoken. And there's the challenge really to yourself and to myself today. To be as the advice of this passage puts it to us, waiting daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. I'd want that to be true of myself, though sadly very often it isn't. That I would say every single morning I get up, no, the first thing I've got to do today is sit down at the gates of heaven and wait until God speaks to me and read my Bible in such a way that I'm determined that I will stay there until I hear the voice of God. Because that's what wisdom is telling us. And that's what God's voice is saying to us. That's the, as we're saying to the children, that's, 
part of how our life will develop properly when we give a proper listening and reception and then go on to do what God is telling us to do. Do we have today a relish for the Word of God? I'm not asking, you, do you have as much of a relish for the Word of God as you would want to? I'm sure all of us would say, no, I don't. But do we have a genuine relish for the Word of God? Have we come here today really in our hearts ready and willing and wanting to listen to God? Was it our primary thought as we came through this door or came up to this pulpit? Lord, today, above all things, I want to hear your voice. I want to listen to your voice. I want you to speak to me. I want you to speak into my heart. I want you to speak into my condition of life. I want you to speak into my circumstances in providence. But I want to hear you speak. Because that's where life is. Whoever finds me finds life. Whoever listens to me and gives heed to my word, God is saying, that's the way of life. And it's put in terms of obtaining God's favor. Obtain favor from the Lord. The favor of God really is another word for the grace of God, which of course is given us not because we deserve it, otherwise it wouldn't be grace. But there's a slightly different it's saying the favor of the Lord that's bestowed upon someone who has given heed to his voice, given heed to what he is saying and listened and received and accepted what he's saying. The Lord's favor follows upon that. The Lord's favor always follows upon our obedience to him. And it's at the heart of our personal experience of salvation. Because to be justified, for example, the Bible calls us to be justified by faith in Christ is more than just to have your sins forgiven, great though that is, wonderful that is, momentous though that is. It, it involves more than just your sin being forgiven, your guilt being taken away. Being justified, being righteous with God means having the approval of God, the favor of God, that God views you as if you'd never sinned at all, as he views you in Christ. That's why it's important you're found in Christ. What a wonderful thing that God would view a life such as mine that didn't want him until he came into my life and your life. And once he came into your life and my life, you then said, I just can't do without him. And I want him to be in my life from now on and into eternity. And I want his favor and I need his favor, not because it's uh, to do with my wanting it as such, but because I know that's what he requires, that I have his favor, that I have his goodwill, that it follows me into life, the approval of God. How much does it mean to yourself today to realize that God in heaven is looking down upon your life personally and saying, I approve of you because I see you in my son. Because I see you having placed your faith and confidence in my son. You are righteous. You have my approval. Is there anything more wonderful than that? Is there anything that you'd want to know more than that? That you'd want to possess more than that? Well, of course not. If you're really serious about listening to God, and being accepted by God, because they go together. There is an alternative though, isn't there? 
Verse 36, he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. It's probably better like in the old authorized version translation actually there, which says, uh, he who fails to find me sins against me. See, uh, rather, he who sins against me injures himself or does wrong to himself instead of uh, fails to find me, though it can have that meaning as well, because essentially that's what we're doing. If we actually reject the wisdom of God in Christ, if we, if we turn away from the voice that's speaking to us, if we just let it in one ear and out the other, what are we doing? Well, we're sinning against this wisdom. We're sinning against this God. We're saying to God, essentially, I have something better. I have an alternative, and I prefer that one. Well, here is wisdom saying, he who, uh, who does this, he who sins against me, injures himself, and that word has in it, does violence to himself, is really being unkind to himself. And you know, God is being very kind to us when he puts things sometimes very bluntly in his word. And that's why it's difficult to accept for us naturally to accept some of the things you find in the Bible. We go against it naturally. Our sinful heart actually doesn't want to accept that we're actually all that much wrong, that we're on the wrong path, that we're actually essentially sinful and wicked in our, in our hearts, in our nature, in our sinful nature. And God is being kind to us when he's actually pointing this out to us because he's telling us this so that we'll look to Christ, that we'll look to the righteousness that's in him, the favor of God as it's placed in him. And so verse 36 really tells us that our choices in life really matter. In fact, the most important choices of all are the ones that have a bearing on eternity. Whoever hates me, wisdom is saying, loves death. It doesn't feel like that, does it, in our natural sinful state? You go out and ask anybody in the street who has no idea about Christ or doesn't want to know anything about uh, salvation, uh, and you'll find, do you feel like death is working your life? You say, of course not. I'm more alive than I've ever been. But here is God's wisdom saying, if you hate me, you're in love with death. And that's the blunt matter of fact, the way Jesus also very often spoke to those who rejected him. Just as Moses again in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we can take this as our final thought today. Because it applies to every circumstance where we hear the word of God, where we're listening to God's voice. Chapter 30, verse 19 of Deuteronomy. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. And may God bless to us his word and bless us under his word. Let's pray. Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks that you continue to speak to us through your word. And we thank you for the way that you have not turned away from us despite 
the many times that we fail to listen to you as we should. O Lord, our God, help us today to open our minds to listen to what you have to say to us. Help us always as we turn to your word to realize that you are speaking to us and how we are being so disrespectful to you as well as injuring our own souls if we're not listening properly to what you're saying. Help us, Lord, we pray, to respect you in our listening, to love you in our listening, to love you so that we will listen as we should to what you have to say to us. And guide us on life's path, we pray, by constantly listening out for your voice, by desiring to hear your voice instructing us and guiding us, so that we too will be wise unto salvation. Continue with us, we pray. Be with David this evening as he conducts the worship. Grant him your upholding and your strengthening. And bless us, we pray, once again under your word. Hear us and forgive our sin. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll conclude now singing to God's praise in Psalm 111. Psalm 111, that's in the Scottish Psalter. Page 391 of your psalm books. He did the power of his works unto his people show when he the heathen's heritage upon them did bestow. His handiworks are truth and right. All his commands are sure and done in truth and uprightness. They evermore endure. So on to verse 10. Wisdom's beginning is God's fear. Good understanding. They have all that his commands fulfill. His praise endures for A. These words to God's praise. After the benediction, please, if you remain seated, 
uh, until you're shown from your seats by those who are on duty. Um, and if you can please, as usual, remain socially distant, as we're required yet to do on the way out of the building until you reach outside. And uh, just wait on those who are, who are at the doors to show you. Those upstairs, just for the benefit of visitors, those upstairs will be leaving through the main entrance and downstairs here will leave by the door to my left. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore. Amen.